Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. John and I, we have very sore arms from hauling a mountain of sheds <laughs> out of the woods today here in Indiana. Actually, I think our arms are just sore from lifting so many donuts and uh, other desserts. No, it's from, into car- our, from carrying carrying into our three year old that we took shed hunting <laughs> with us, and he lasted about half an hour. Then- uh, yeah, we've pretty much been uh, much better at stuffing our pie holes than. Uh, um, finding sheds today, but we did get John some really promising permission. Most likely, it was a it was a definitely maybe, <laughs> yeah. but but felt more like definitely than maybe. And uh, it was you know a spot that might even lead to some hunting opportunities uh, come this fall. So that was a big success. And then another piece that we got on was one that, um, we had identified from our Spartan forge scouting before my trip. Mm -hmm. And we got on there and we found a dead deer right away. That's always, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a bad, but good sign, right? Like it's bad. You don't, you hate to see, you know, an animal that, that gets killed like that, but, but, uh, um, you know, it's nice to have the confirmation that deer are using that piece of timber it was definitely a fresh kill it was from this this winter probably and um not a ton of like real recent sign though so i don't think mm-hmm. any deer were really wintering in there might have been something passing through might have been at the very end of hunting season we don't know but uh definitely you know within the last six months so got some confirmation there it's a nice little piece found a couple spots that'd be good for john to put up a stand which is important because john like me, is a first-gen hunter. He's uh, learning it as he goes, and we're here to talk about his uh, very recent success. He had uh, a tag that he filled this past uh, hunting season, and this was your second hunting season officially? Third. Third? Yeah. So I'd say that's probably very normal average time frame for a first-gen hunter to get their first deer especially when they're only using uh traditional equipment so uh Mm -hmm. john has uh been working very hard with his traditional bow that was built for him by the primitive preacher himself jesse jeffley a multi a multi-time guest on this year podcast about time to get jesse back on here um i think we've had We've had Jesse on twice, maybe three times, Uh, but we definitely need to get him back on, do another episode with him. But he made John a bow, and uh, he actually made John some arrows too, but John uh, does use uh, carbon fiber arrows, right, Mm -hmm. when he's hunting and when he's target practicing as well. So so, uh, he's he's definitely not going to the full length yet with going with the, the, the... homemade arrows but i don't have any stone arrowheads <laughs> yeah yeah and jesse's still working on that he's been uh working on napping some stone heads and yeah. and uh i think did he he yeah he got did one he I th- kill I think, a deer this year with a stone i believe he did he said it was his most primitive hunt ever and he put that yeah that one's on his wow. youtube channel because he did wow. one with, he did one with a flintlock and then he did 
I think he said hit the buck that he got this year was his most primitive hunt ever because it was like he built everything. He yeah. made everything. Yeah, that is that is wild to me that people are that skilled can do that and and then you know of course to be able to seal the deal not just build it but but you know put together a good hunt and then uh punch the tag it's just phenomenal but uh john went hunting with his brother-in-law jesse up in uh wisconsin and filled a tag and uh it's just been fun hearing john talk about how valuable that meat is to him Mm -hmm. and uh just you know the value of having those new skills so we're going to talk about that this episode but before then um if you listen go back to boy what episode was it? i think it was in the 80s or 90s um it would have been this last summer oh did a live podcast event at john's church shout out to bethel baptist in lapel indiana uh just a phenomenal event a lot of great turnout a lot of energy uh, one of my most favorite podcasts I ever did. It was a ton of fun. Got together with Brandon live, which was great. Caleb was there and uh, Jesse was there. And uh, uh, John was kind of doing the the tech stuff for us in the background. We had a we had a slideshow that was going up on the on the screen and John was running that and uh, fielding some questions and stuff like that for us. So it was it was uh, a ton of fun, and so it's nice to be able to get John now on the podcast. But John and I, we were uh, in college together, and we became very good friends. John's one of my closest friends. Talked to him pretty much every day. Um, and uh, it's been that way for 15 years almost. <laughs> Something like that. Shoot, now we sound old. Yeah, I think I think it has been about fifteen years. Well, it'll be this yes. fall because I would we would have met in fall of two thousand eight. I think your dorm room was right across the hall from mine, and yep, John hated me at first, and that's so, correct. Believe it or not, some people find me annoying. <laughs> <laughs> John's going to imitate me here in a few minutes, but <laughs> but uh, one of the things John and I still do all the time. I don't think we're probably as good at it as we used to be all of John's still really good. I've, my skills have, have fallen by the wayside, but we can do pretty rock solid impersonations of <laughs> more so people that we knew, but um, definitely some famous people as well. It's one of John's many talents. And uh, John and I are, if we're not talking hunting, we're definitely gonna be talking football. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that was one of the first things that we, uh, developed common interest in and so we followed the nfl closely we're both bears fans unfortunately yes. um, <laughs> and so uh, sorrow. it's been it's been a, it's been a rough 15 years of friendship but uh we've <laughs> we've uh, been rooting for the bears uh to pull out of their misery for years and uh so uh john through that time though has developed some pretty good uh nfl celebrity uh, impersonations. And, uh, so I asked John, you know, like what are his top three? And I suggested one of them cause he does this one all the time, which is Chris Collinsworth <laughs> from Sunday night football, NFL legend, Chris Collinsworth. And his son is now calling games, I believe too. I think uh, he is. I think you're right. I think he's like a sideline guy or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which I is mean, cool. You know, it's, yeah. it's like keep the, keep the family, uh, talent stream going or whatever. But, but, um, you know, John does, John does a pretty good, uh, 
uh, impersonation of Chris Collinsworth. So, uh, see, but if you put well, me on, you put me on the spot, and it's them, <laughs> I'm gonna mess it up. We can re-record this podcast multiple times, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> so we got here uh let's see let's let's give him a have chris collinsworth talk about uh the latest version of aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um yeah because <sighs> rogers yeah so yeah i mean he'll it'll come you know it'll come because what he's on is he on sunday night he's still on sunday night football isn't he i think yeah. so yeah so rogers will be at the jets this year and they'll probably put him in They'll probably put him in prime time, probably not week one, but probably week two or three. You can, I mean, book it that the Jets will be on Sunday night football. <laughs> and then there will be this whole segment. You know, there's going to be a whole segment about, you know, now here's the thing. Now here, Rogers, now here's a guy who's been in the league for a long time. He, he's just phenomenal. Maybe the greatest player to ever, you know, grace the field in the National Football League. But here's a guy who has, has come in here to New York after. After all that time in Green Bay, and and yeah, and he'll just he'll just, gu- <laughs> he'll just mush and gush over him, and that's what people see. I kind of like Chris Collinsworth. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean, Chris I, Collins, I mean, he does his homework. Him. Well, yeah, he yeah, but and he always has like some nugget. He does go, you know, he always is like, this is, you know, <laughs> you know, this is the uh, the greatest, you know, whatever. It's like whatever game he's on, you know, this guy is the best at his position. You know, there's not a greater center than this guy that you've never heard of in the <laughs> National Football League. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah and then maybe so maybe true. you'll also have uh, you know maybe Tony Dungy will be on that night as well and you know and and uh, yeah but on all that all the times when I coached against Aaron Rodgers our game plan against him was so difficult because of the great player that he is I don't know but <laughs> I may not agree with all of this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh man. Yeah, uh, Tony Dungy's always got his little self righteous, uh, like, <laughs> prods in there at people's character. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> but, that's true. But, uh, no, those are, those are pretty rock solid. And, uh, of course, uh, then his number three best impersonation is, uh, um, everybody's most loved, hated person from, uh, the Harry Potter series, uh, <laughs> Snape. <laughs> so what would Snape say about Aaron Rodgers? Oh, sh- I don't know. What would Snape say about Rodgers? Um, Aaron, Mr. Rodgers, he's, <laughs> he's a fine quarterback. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You almost have to... You almost have to uh, I don't know. With Snape, though, it's like you have, or with Rickman, you know, Alan, Alan Rickman, you know, you just have to put it very airy and, you know, talk up the top, <laughs> the top of your mouth, Mr. Potter. Um, yeah. yeah, John, John is a man of many talents. And uh, this is probably, you're probably wondering what podcast you're listening to right now. But this is how John and I, this is how we became good friends. It's late at night. Uh, I have to head back to Iowa tomorrow, mm-hmm. and uh, John and I are milking every second of getting to hang out. And usually, what it would be is we get we we both worked as night 
uh, night shift custodians on the weekends, which was the oh. worst gig ever. Everyone's out having fun, and you're over there scrubbing, you know, skids off a toilet bowl. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, 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 uh, uh, so we would, you know, we would entertain each other while we're doing yes. that. And well, we had to, we had to, <laughs> yeah, we because did. of some of the characters that we worked with. I don't know how. <laughs> We got, the, I don't know how we got that. <laughs> yeah, but, we better stop name dropping at this point, but we worked with some interesting cats doing nighttime uh, custodial work. Oh, man. But we'd get back to the dorm and then it'd be, you know, you know, it'd be like 1230. Yeah. And, um, but, oh, I got to, you know, it'd be like Sunday night. You got class in the morning on mm-hmm. Monday. Oh, I gotta, I gotta get to bed. <laughs> and we would just stand in the hallway between our uh, dorm rooms and just talk for like two more hours and be totally, totally exhausted when uh morning came around the next day and had to get to class, but, yeah. and then get our homework done that whatever it was that we were supposed to do. But that was, that was how we spent, you know, a lot of our time when we were in college and uh it's it just seems fitting to be doing the same thing again now but we said we were going to record and yeah it's late on a saturday night our wives were like you're gonna go record a podcast now and we're like <laughs> just back, yeah, back so, in the day <laughs> some some habits die very hard but that's true no it's good to be here with john we had a great time shed hunting today it didn't turn out quite like we liked um we did spend a lot of time on spartan forge john is a spartan forge user so this is a good reminder to say this podcast is presented by spartan forge just talked to bill yesterday some really really awesome stuff uh coming out uh, with some of the new updates that uh, I'll have more information for you very soon on those. But uh, good news for those of you chasing Western species. Uh, there's some uh, some expansion coming that way. The mapping, of course, is as legendary as ever. There's a new LiDAR um, uh, filter that you can put on the mapping. And you might be thinking, okay, what's so great about that? Well, LiDAR, when you look at it, it's going to kind of look like the surface of the moon. But what it's doing is showing you like impressions on the surface of the earth. So if you're looking like out west, you're looking for like an elk trail, uh, you know, in the mountains, like in a drainage or something, like a really heavily used game trail, you'll be able to see that impression on like the side of a mountain with that LiDAR imaging. Or, uh, you know, same thing could be said for whitetail um, uh, trails or, or, you know, it's just one more way the Spartan Forge is like pushed that part of the hunting industry to uh, give you, you know, the latest that technology can offer for uh, mapping apps. And uh, of course, again, we always talk about the deer behavior prediction as well, which is uh just an awesome thing to have uh during deer season and uh bill is still gathering data on that to be able to start offering some other species as well soon so uh some really really big things happening there with spartan forge make sure if you aren't already on board with it go ahead and do the free download you get the property boundary and landowner information uh for free which is more than you get on the free version of other certain popular <laughs> hunting apps not yep. naming any names yep yep john john that knows that well yeah. and uh you know i do like it better i mean you, uh, you were like hey you got to try it out and i've obviously heard you you know uh, promote it on on the pod sure. or anything and yeah i mean it's 
the free version's great. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So there you go, people. You got somebody who's not not paid by Spartan Forge giving you a really good, uh, um, you know, yeah. uh, review on the product. Oh yeah. And uh, it is worth buying some of the features, though, for sure. I buy all of them. Um, I would, I would strongly recommend you do the same. Uh, and my favorite one during shed season is marking where I get shed hunting permission on private land. It's just so much nicer to be able to like scan around the area on the map as you're looking for more, uh, areas that have the right habitat for finding sheds to be able to have that, those green lines around those property properties that you have permission on. So that's a great feature. I've been using a ton this season. So today, anyways, we're using Spartan Forge. We're driving around, kind of off and on raining uh, the past two days, uh, yeah, and um, pretty muddy. We yeah, pretty pretty muddy, <laughs> and uh, we we got John had already gotten some permission before I came on this one piece. We got there, and uh, unfortunately, the habitat just wasn't as much as what it what we had thought it was going to be and then but thankfully that landowner owned another piece that we did get to go walk Mm -hmm. a really nice timbered piece and uh, we had our sons with us and which ranged from age i believe three to six (laughs) two six-year-olds and a three-year-old yeah Yeah. and hence uh, why i'm still covered in mud from from carrying (laughs) a three-year-old yep (laughs) and uh so you know we didn't we couldn't push it as hard as john and i probably would have on our own so we came back dropped them off then we went around and asked for permission and i got told no on this really prime looking piece but what was interesting was the guys like yeah i get people asking me all the time and uh so that's how prime this spot looked. And, uh, but I think, you know, for John anyways, being a guy who's even more new to this than I am. Well, and, and the, just to pipe in there would be new, I'm new to hunting and new to the area that we live in now. Yeah. We've only been living here for a year. And so, you know, it's like, I, I really don't know the area all that well. Yeah, and I don't know point. very many people around here. And so no, no family farms or anything like that around here that no. he can, you know, hunt without permission. So it's either public land or nothing right now for John yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I think he's got a few connections that got him on some, some okay ground. But we were hoping to, like, really get him his own dynamite spot and i think we may have accomplished that with the one definitely maybe property yeah yeah and and then this other piece that we're on today i think uh you'll be able to have some success in october on uh for sure especially since it's going to be a corn year in that uh field this year based on the crop rotation Mm -hmm. and uh so john's learning as uh, we go around and even being told no. So another good reason to ask for permission, you go back a couple episodes, you can hear Alex and Caleb <clears throat> give their master class on how to ask <laughs> for permission. And uh, there, it's it's not just as simple as knocking on the door and saying, hey, could I look for sheds here? Like there's little tips and tricks sure. that uh, you can put in there. And John was learning those today. I think he did a really good job overall, though, for somebody brand new to door knocking. But um, uh, definitely a process that, that you know, you got to learn. And so he – I'm saying all this to say it wasn't a wash, that we didn't come home with any sheds today, no. that we didn't we didn't get on this one really nice piece that we wanted to. 
And the other big part of it is John's learning the area now too, you know, driving down all these side roads. That is one of my biggest tips to anybody who's wanting to be able to do more hunting close to home. Know your area, not just from an e-scouting standpoint. Spartan Forge is a wonderful thing. Even Google Earth is nice or whatever else you're using. Those are all very helpful tools, but it is not the same thing as seeing it in person. And so uh, get and drive every back road in your area. Seriously, take a new route home from work every day yeah. and uh, you will start to learn the area and you'll start seeing deer and how they're using the area. And then that can lead to where you start seeking that permission. So we did a lot of that today, going down these side roads and everything, back roads, uh, just getting a real survey on the area. We drove like a couple big loops in the area. Um, and it was just, uh, I think that was valuable time seeing how the habitat for the area kind of flowed and how it was, you know, split up in some places as well. Mm -hmm. But overall, just a, a really good experience with John. And uh, so I don't know. I hope John gets out again, maybe does some more shed hunting with his, his sons this spring yet. Um, things are greening up here though. A yeah. lot there. You're definitely ahead of where things are back in Iowa. And so, um, you know, probably only a couple of weeks left before, things are so thick and green again that might be too hard to do much shed hunting but but uh definitely have some time yet to hopefully uh, get some more looking in but let's uh let's transition now to your uh successful hunting venture that you had so um it was a muzzleloader season is that mm -hmm. correct yeah so can you kind of explain you know the backstory with maybe your last two hunts that you did the, the two previous years and uh kind of how those went down <laughs> yeah um yeah i just i went and and found uh, the video from the first first hunt first shot and first miss that i had uh <laughs> with the uh, with the uh, the bow that jesse built me and um it's, oh man it stinks you know it stinks to uh to see a miss like that it's like oh, i was right there you know <laughs> um but yeah um I, don't know, I guess i probably i don't know if i started off kind of ambitious going you know going um um going bow and everything with first you know first time first shot you know ever was a miss you know at a at a, a decent size buck you know and it was like 16 yards away um i think about that miss often but but yeah that was like you know jesse got us a great spot and and uh so that yeah that was year one and um you know so it was one shot one miss and then uh um uh the second yes yeah, so went back out there um and hunted with him again and um it's kind of a similar deal you know like back home like trying to find a spot you know local where i can hunt and try and you know just trying to get connections and, and things like that. And so I'd had, I'd hunted on my own a little bit here in Indiana, but, um, not, not even had a shot in Indiana. Yeah. I mean, and I haven't yet. Um, have you seen deer while hunting here in Indiana? Um, not while hunting. I have seen deer <laughs> in spots, you know, to hunt, but yeah. then, you know, gone out and, um, and not seen a thing. It had some really good spots too. You know, I had, I've had a good, a good buddy, um, who hooked me up with a spot, um, this past season and didn't see a, a blessed thing. Hmm. Um, I mean, but, um, 
yeah so I mean, hopefully we'll, there'll be some success you know here in indiana because you know that's kind of kind of the goal but it's always a good thing you know part of the deal is we get to go spend time with family you know jesse's right. our brother-in-law and so all the you know the cousins get to play together and um you know it's a good time and everything and we just you know get out in the woods the whole time but um the second year i tried um muzzle loader we ended up going going out later and so we couldn't i couldn't do bow season but we went out during during uh during uh muzzle loader season and had a shot that was kind of a far shot um at a doe and that was a frustrating time and that was too. a more primitive muzzle loader too right yeah yeah it's an old um thompson center uh wheel 50 lock cal. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i know yeah yeah i had, had to light the fuse <laughs> uh but um yeah that one was the quick i don't know if people care about that or not but that was frustrating because i shot at a at a there was a pack of does and they were about 60 yards away and i missed um and you know so but i was i wasn't thinking i didn't reload right away Mm. and so we went up and we're looking for sign and everything, looking to see if we could find any blood. Couldn't find anything. So we come back down. We get back in the blind. And it's only been like 15 minutes, I would say. And so I'm in the middle of reloading. And this buck comes through. And he's like at 20 yards. Oh. And I mean, he was, I mean, I would say maybe like a little six-pointer. You know, he wasn't. Um, still. Yeah. But still, that's the thing. And he was so close. And so I'm like, eh, you know, I'm <laughs> like a Civil <laughs> War soldier. the Civil War soldier watching, <laughs> watching the, uh, you know, the enemy coming. Hey, <laughs> get fixed, bandits. <laughs> 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 the red coats are coming off. Long war. No. Um, and so that you know, I never even got a, sh- a second shot off there. But yeah, so it was like two, two years. You know, two hunts with one shot, and you know, in a, a miss a piece. You know. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, so we went back out this uh, this past this past year with muzzleloader, and actually, I borrowed a buddy's um, inline. Um, Give him a shout out. Ryan Brooks, yeah, yeah, um, a buddy from church, Ryan Brooks, uh, um, great guy, good hunter, really yeah, good hunter. yeah, he's a he's a dude, great hunter, um, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, he let me borrow his uh, his inline muzzleloader. Uh, it's got a scope on it, and um, and so I just I don't know, I was kind of like I'd done I'd done the primitive thing, which was great, and I and I will do that again, but I was kind of like to the point I was like, man, we're making this trip, like I need to. I want to guarantee myself or give myself a little bit more of the edge, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And, um, so, you know, that was the, got the scope and everything, but, um, so that, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, first day we didn't, I don't think we hardly saw anything, uh, the first day, you know, morning and mm-hmm. afternoon, we basically were out all day we tried a couple different spots, you know, um, out there in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and uh, <laughs> uh and there's a lot of deer out there yeah um and especially at the spot where jesse has all this farmland oh, yeah. and it's like it's like farmland in the valley and then the timber just going up on on the the hills on either side it's just it's an awesome spot um and if, you, if you've ever gone on his on the primitive preacher channel um then you can see see what i'm talking about because he does he gets a lot of good footage of the the area and everything mm-hmm. um but yeah, so then it was like, I don't know, am I going into too much detail? No, okay. this is great. Oh, okay, anyways, I don't know if how much people want to hear, but... Um, You're painting the picture for us. Every hunter likes a good uh, picture. Yeah, so I was actually, I actually wrote this down in my journal. That I was like, that 
in a, that first after that first day and like not seeing anything uh i was like i was almost kind of like went to bed like depressed like oh we made this trip to wisconsin again and you know i'm trying to give myself you know i'm not going so primitive and um and man we don't see anything like are we gonna make this trip yet again it'll be an empty bag um and uh anyway so then so then that second morning it's like uh it's not even like first light yet it was like you could hardly see anything mm-hmm. and we're both um Jesse's fun because he he doesn't like to do stands. He he's he does the blind. He's done the blind, and we've done the blind a couple times. Um, but he also likes to just get on the ground and just find sure. a spot. And so we had this big rock that we were kind of hunkered up against, you know, next to some tr- deer trails. And um, it's like hardly light yet. And there's a pack of, I think it was, I would say there was at least six does, and wow. they came up and they're they're about ten yards from us. Oh, and immediately, man. you know, I mean, it's that you know, there's the 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 steam you know and they're snorting and the oh <laughs> yeah and you know they're like right there <laughs> yeah, you know, ten, yeah 10 yards away and they, but they, yeah and they uh you know they smell this and everything and then they all boom took off and so there again it was like at night like you know it's just i don't know it's, it's almost just, like they came in too close oh yeah they came in they came I and mean, that's weird that's how i mean we were so close to their little their you know their little trail there they're you know that you could tell that was their main right you know thoroughfare um so then i would say maybe 45 minutes later um and jesse he's always you know the guys who've hunted for a long time they they just hear it you know i got city boy ears i guess you know because he always yeah. hears them before i do john dear coming they're coming <laughs> and so they're coming the same deal so they're coming from our left and if you go jesse did a whole he had a couple cameras going and, and made a little uh video of it you know like he does with his you know let me be on his channel which is pretty cool um but uh anyway so you, but you can see it so yeah they're coming in from the left again and so i'm trying to like you know move my my muzzle loader over and i got it up and everything and, and so these these were again it was like same deal they didn't they didn't catch our scent this time but they're about 10 yards away and, um, I, you know, so like, evidently the wind must've been going from left to right. And that's why those deer that came in from the right winded you and the deer coming from the left. Well, no, they both, they both came you. in from the same direction. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think first time the, <clears throat> they just caught our scent just a little bit, but just then, had that nanny doe in there. Who, yeah. Extra, yeah. Extra yeah. I mean, she was right at the head wary. and, you know, stopped up tall and, and started <laughs> snorting and, and, uh, stamping and then <laughs> come on girls, let's get out of here. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh my buddy Noel Gandy who's been on this podcast many times so yeah. we are overdue for having Noel on here but uh <laughs> he has this nanny doe that he's at war with she always picks him off <laughs> and uh for years she's done this to him and uh she's got this like mane on her on her uh neck <laughs> which uh John and I went to college with a guy who had a mane <laughs> on his neck <laughs> That's a different story. John can do a really great impersonation of him. <laughs> no. He's one of those but, guys uh, that like never got his hair cut. So he always had like that neck hair. That's why we called it a mane because it was like, you know, guys, we get hairy necks, you know. But he never he like never got his neck shaved like a normal decent Just guy. Went would. Straight to his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so Noel's got this uh, this doe he, that's got this big old 
raggedy neck mane that he call, and he calls her Mufasa. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, uh, so John, you got you got these deer coming in from the left, and they haven't winded you yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the problem was, um, you know, I had you know practiced with um, with Ryan's uh, that muzzle loader, um, and you know, in my excitement, I had flipped the safety off like a good boy. But then I'd forgotten I had flipped the safety off like an idiot. So I pull up and at that, you know, they're so close, you know, obviously I'm not using the scope. Um, so I have her like, you know, I mean, she's 10 yards away, you know, right there in front of me. And I, at this point I was like, I wasn't waiting for a buck. I was like, oh. okay, so not using the scope. What are you aiming with then? The iron, it's, um, it's the, uh, the scope on the, it's a high scoper on the, I'm just using the, the iron sights under the, oh, under the okay. Scope. You could see those iron sights still underneath the, yes. The yeah, mount, yeah. The scope mounts. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so, but I had forgotten that I had flipped the safety off already. So like they're starting to move, you know, uh, from our left to right, you know, up in front of us. And I'm like, you know, jabbing with the safety, like what's going on, what's going on. And, you know, and Jesse's over here. He's like, you gotta take her. You gotta take her. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> you know, I didn't say that, but so then they, they got spooked just a touch and they kind of trotted up the hill just a little bit. So now, and then they, they kind of moved back and forth. So now they're about at about 40 yards. And then I think you can either even hear it on the, in the, in the video on YouTube. Um, I, I say something about the, oh, the safety. You know, and so I realized I kind of glanced down and saw that I, I had already flipped the safety off. That's buck fever right there, buddy. Every oh yeah, I mean, every it's like, thought runs into your brain except for the right one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, and this, at this point, yeah, they're like forty yards away, and the biggest one had had scampered on a little bit was in the underbrush, but there was one that was just hanging out there, and so so at that point, yeah, I used the scope and it was forty yards, but and so it was like clear as day. You know, you can't yeah. you can't miss that and. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, got her right, right through the lungs. Touched her off, huh? Yeah. And she's like, they, they ran, it's like super steep hill there. So they ran up the hill. Um, I mean, she ran for like a couple of yards and then felt like, and then like slid back down the hill. That's how steep that rise is. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, she started running up, fell and then slid back down. So it was like, you could kind of, you could kind of follow that. But then, uh, yeah. So that was, that was the first one, first one ever. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, like when you saw her running, were you like, not again? Or did, were you, did you feel when you squeezed that shot off, like that's a dead deer? Well, yeah, that was, I was like, it was almost like that there was, there was that thought of like, well, this, you know, it's like all, there's all this hard work and everything, you know, and the difficulty of it. But then it was like, this almost feels too easy. Mm. You know, and I think that's, that's kind of where my mind goes with, you know, guys that start to go more primitive and, um, you know, even like the, uh, um, I don't remember the fellow who got attacked by the bear, his name. Oh, but Jeremy he, Evans. Yeah. 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 That, um, and he talked about how he just got into stalking, uh, you know, stalking, uh, his, yeah. and like, that's just, I think I, so I can see where, you know, in guys like Jesse, where it's like, you know, you don't want it to be easy you know right. or you don't want it to i don't know there's there's the aspect of the hunt i think that's like i don't know i don't know it feels like it's cheating you know it could feel like it's cheating so like at that point <laughs> it was just like well this is too easy but um but yeah for a second there when they you know they came up and they scampered a little bit and then they paused it was like no here goes another opportunity yeah <laughs> um but 
Yeah, so I was thankful. And so how'd it feel when you walked up on the deer then? It was it was definitely that um that kind of surreal um and like it like clicked instantly clicked like you know all the you know you read about like the native americans and like how um and just how they recognize that connection with nature and that mm-hmm. you are taking life but you but it's but um you know animal life for a purpose you know of feeding your family and everything and i know you know you can just go to the supermarket and you know <laughs> blah, 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 blah. but definitely like that aspect of of like you know this I was meant to do this. Well, yeah, and like this is a it's a it's a very serious thing. I mean, like there is like the thrill of the hunt, like the buck, you know, the adrenaline mm-hmm. and the buck fever yep. and everything. Um, but it's like you know, you you're doing something that is it just carries a lot of meaning, a lot of weight to it. Mhm. You know? I mean, yeah. And so it's like yeah, you know, we live in a society where you don't have to hunt, but like the 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 ability to hunt you know, is, I think it's a special thing. And yeah. so that's, um, yeah, anyways, that's cool. That's a big, you know, a big part of the founding of this country was, you know, all these people coming over from uh, Europe where, you know, in most places, only the, those with extreme wealth who owned the land, there wasn't like this public land, you know, designation mm-hmm. you know so they were the king's deer they were the king's <laughs> rabbits they were the king's whatever you know yeah. and so coming here to this country was a chance to express that desire to provide for yourself in that way to to take game from the land and so it goes back to that you know where you, you said you know we we don't technically have to do this because we have a a a food model as screwed up as it is, in my opinion, <laughs> that, that, uh, you know, can take care of, you know, you can order food with your thumb, mm-hmm. you know, through an app yeah. and it shows up at your doorstep. You right. know, right. You, you can do that. Yeah. But in some ways I would say once you start hunting, you do need to hunt. Like it awakens something inside of you that calls you back. And, um, I always, John and I were talking about this, I think last night, hunting has ruined hiking for me. <laughs> uh, you know, I used to, used to really enjoy, you know, say I, if I were to list my hobbies, I would have listed hiking, you know, as a hobby. And, uh, um, I hike to either hunt or find sheds. Now, <laughs> if mm-hmm. I'm like going on some like scenic hike, the whole time I'm thinking, man, I'd sure like to go up that ridge right there. That's not on this trail <laughs> and get out the old binos and, and glass down into that drainage or, you know, glass that other ridge line, see what's over there into that bedding area. You know, it's like you, you, uh, I don't know, you, you develop an objective mindset for when you're, you're out interacting with wild places. You, you, uh, you know, you're more interested in the, the game side of it. And so in that regard, I'd say you almost, once you do start hunting, you almost do have to, it's an itch that so in a way it can be scratched, but yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, like interacting with different people and there's like, there's like guys who like will hunt, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's hunters. Yeah. And it's, it is kind of funny how there's like a, there's a difference there. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's there's a lot of guys that stay casual with it. You know, it's like yeah. one of the things they do instead of the thing they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's a good point. Not to not to. You know, no, it's it's a, fair, you, it's a fair point for it, sure. Well, it's, and it's just, okay if my, you find my, yourself in that camp. Like this is one of my. If you find yourself in that camp, you're probably not listening <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> but it's but it no, like it's funny that like there like, there's some people that maybe. It's just, that's not awakened. I think there is like an awakening <clears throat> yeah. in some regards, but it, it doesn't necessarily happen to everybody. So, yeah. Well, and that can be part of the thing you were talking about with, um, you know, the people who choose to, to try and challenge themselves in different ways, you know, or push themselves a little bit further. Yeah. You know, the, that might be kind of what they're doing. They're, they're, progressively awakening that more and more you know because you hear like the guy like jeremy evans that you were referred to Mm -hmm. you know when you hear his hunting resume it's so impressive (laughs) and and you would say jeremy has to hunt and despite all the physical limitations that he has from you know from his grizzly attack experience Mm -hmm. um he still gets himself out into the woods right Right, it still hunts because he has to, you know. Well, I think, and there's probably, I think there's, there's maybe that connection then to to the just the self-sustaining aspect, you know, that I I can do this, and you know, you have the ability to do this, and you get you you know better quality food um, than what you're going to get in the supermarket or even at the butchers or whatever, and. I don't know. It's like uh, you just find, I don't know. It's, it's so funny to see, you know, um, either by friends that I have or even just kind of seeing it on online and that type of thing, the people that want to go back to that homestead lifestyle, they have a massive garden. Maybe they farm, they hunt a lot. I mean, I have friends who they don't, they don't buy any meat. Mm -hmm. They hunt or raise all their meat. They, they raise, you know, the majority of their vegetables, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's stuff that they have to go to the, there's some things they, they go to yeah. the store for, but they can just sustain, sustain themselves. And like, there's like just the freedom of that. Yeah. You know, you and know, about val- a valuable skill. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, you can take care of yourself. You don't need, you don't have to be close to a city. You don't right. have, you can live where you want. Um, and, just enjoy that freedom yeah and i don't know so that's that's a pretty awesome thing you know it's empowering yeah yeah empowering that's a good word yeah yeah definitely yeah well said for sure so then let's talk about the food side of that how did that feel once you uh were cutting that thing up and you're like it's dawning on you like this is food yeah yeah i mean i mean i've done some some butchering you know farms and stuff uh growing up um, you know, so it wasn't completely new to me, but it was really cool. You know, Jesse, they, like I said, they, they live off the land and everything and they do everything themselves. So there was mm-hmm. no going to the process or anything. He yep. was, and so Jesse was, you know, he kind of coached me on, on, um, the butchering side of it, the skinning. And then, um, and so that was, that was really cool. That was really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, and it was a good sized dough. So we got a lot of meat off mm-hmm. of her, um, you know, people, uh, I mean, we we weighed it all out and it was like close to 45 pounds. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. So it was a, it was, 
um, that was just like really cool. And, and there again, not to get, not to circle back too far, but like someone had said to me, they're like, so how much meat did you get off of that? They're like, so you could go to the store and buy, you know, 40, 45 pounds of meat. And it's like, yes, you can do that, but it's not, yeah. the, it's not the same. Yeah. And I know it's, you know, hunting is not, you know, you know, you're not going to save money at least initially. I mean, you know, right, yeah. but yep. Yeah, another shout out to Noel Gandy. Most expensive meat on the planet. Stuff you hunt. <laughs> yeah. Well, he'll be like, "That's a thousand dollar turkey." <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, but that that was just really cool. You know, again, just all that like self sustaining aspect. You know, it's just we we harvested it that morning. You know, we we uh, uh, butchered it that night packaged you know ground it up packaged it that night froze mm-hmm. it then you know and it's just like that's 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 a pretty yeah. cool deal oh. yeah you're not gonna waste an ounce of that you know it's oh, it, yeah. there's so much it's precious to you now you know you have the you, you have the, of course the money invested into the hunt but also the time the the uh having to freeze your tail off <laughs> sitting there you have to be sleep deprived and and the effort dragging it out and 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 field dressing and you know the memories that went into it and all that and the good time spent with your brother-in-law and and uh the it's something that you carry with you forever you know and and uh the meat side of it is just it's the best i mean when you're eating that you just all those memories just flood back oh yeah and uh you you know i always love i always relish um the i don't know usually like the for the week after i shoot a deer and and you know butchered it and stuff i still got all the gore under my fingernails (laughs) and stuff like that you know what i mean it's like all that blood crust under your fingernails and stuff it's like i love just looking down and seeing that and and like yep that was that was that was real yeah yeah it's yeah it's it is it's like such a real experience um yeah, it, it's a little bit hard to put into words, I think, in some regard. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, of course, did you get the – so as a new hunter, did you get that little tinge of remorse? Probably maybe when you saw that deer kind of stumbling on the hill and, and, and falling backwards and walking up on it and realizing, I just, I just took this thing's – life yeah um yeah i think i might have even said something jesse about that or maybe it was you maybe when we talked um not long after um yeah that did go through my mind like and then again i think that plays into like the value of what you're doing Mm -hmm. um because i did think like man you know this was just a you know little bambi's little bambi's cousin you know was just trotting along yesterday you know yeah. alive and well and just looking for food and um just you doing know, what you're doing really well, in its yeah, own way being a part of the food chain and not thinking about um you know where it fell in the food chain it's just you know living life and everything and so there is like that you know you're taking uh, a life to um uh, to live off of mm-hmm. and um and so i don't know i, I kind of I take that back to, yeah, you know, the Indians and the pioneers and, uh, I'm sorry, the native Americans and the pioneers and, um, you know, people that had to hunt to survive, mm-hmm. you had to do that. You know, I don't think there were, 
don't know if this is offensive or not, but I don't think there was a whole lot of vegans going on, you know, back in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, excuse me, I don't <laughs> sorry. Excuse me Can to I have all the soy uh, option for that. <laughs> soy venison, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have a plant based venison I can try? <laughs> yeah, well it is plant based. <laughs> it comes it eats a lot of plants. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally normal to have those feelings, you know, that that in fact if you go back, I think it's episode three of this podcast, Brandon and I dive into that. I think called the Hunter's Dilemma or something like that, mm. where you do have that little bit of sadness and grief on behalf of the animal, yeah. but that's healthy. And I'm not and I'm not gonna tell you that there's oh, there's some way to make that not feel so bad. It you feel every bit of it, you know. When you hunt, I would, if I could tell people what to feel, it'd be feel it all. Yeah. You know, every sop it all up because it tells the whole story. Yeah. And I think that's why, that's where the people who tell you, oh, just go buy 45 pounds of meat from the grocery store. Why don't you just do that? It'd be a lot easier. Because you miss out on that emotional attachment to whatever goes into getting that meat into your grocery cart. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not just a pile of hogs stacked on top of each other with zero inches to spare in a confinement shed, you know, or some cow that's in a, in a feeding lot, you know, for six months out of the year, you know, or some chicken jammed into, you know, confinement, you know, it's, it's, it's an animal that's, that you see doing what it does. You, you do your absolute best to become a part of their world just long enough to, to outwit them and to beat their senses that are far superior to your own in many ways. And, and, uh, when you do that, you're bettering yourself and you're getting a better idea of what exactly has to go into feeding your stomach. And, and, uh, I think that's where that value to yeah. those who might question, what is this even really worth? That's right. that's that's how you answer that. It's well, in that that everything you feel through the whole process. Yeah, anything about I mean, like everything. There's you know, there's trade offs in life for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, you you know, you're, you know, everything having to do with time is a trade off. You could say, um, I mean, you spend time on on everything. You know, mm-hmm. time is spent, and you can't get that time back, right? Yep. Um, you know, I mean, there's a trade-off in life to everything. And again, I'm maybe I'm taking like the two extremes of, you know, you could just get that in the store. Um, and then, you know, living off the land, you know, that's, yep. that's, that's a little, probably a little far on the, the extreme side. Um, but I mean, the trade-off that you, that you do to made to live off the land and that type of lifestyle, as opposed to what the trade-offs to, you know, well, I just take care of it in the supermarket and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I only do that. And there's a, you're making, you had a trade-off to make that money. So you're working a job that maybe you hate or do, or do not hate yeah. maybe, you know, so, or you could make that yeah. money so that you could get, and you're like, well, yeah, but then I can be point. at home and I can spend time with my family, you know, whatever, you know, you can probably, you can justify your point. That's the thing. I don't know. It, hunting's not for everybody. No, you know, and so and if it was, we'd run out of deer. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You yeah, know, it's yeah, it's sure. that it's that simple. And so, when we say that, we're not saying that somebody who depends on you know, but that's also not to say that you shouldn't make ethical decisions about how your the right. food makes its way to your plate either. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I think hunters are an example 
of course you have unethical hunters out there, unfortunately, and I wouldn't even call them hunters. I'd call them poachers, mm -hmm. uh, which is not the same thing. Um, but a hunter who is ethically pursuing these animals is, is coming face to face with, with the ethics behind how their food makes it to their plate. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're dealing with that. And I think whether you hunt or not, you should consider all of that for every bite of food that you have. You really should. And I don't do that all the time. I try to do it more than I, than I, you know, did the day before, but, uh, you know, we're, we're never perfect and there is no perfect thing, but, um, I think hunting has a lot to, uh, you know, a lot to be counted in its favor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if a first gen hunter like yourself, a first gen hunter like me, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. We're having this conversation now, which feels so much like back in our college days mm -hmm. and 2am in the dorm room <laughs> hallway, but, uh, neither of us hunted at that time. No. And none of our conversations were about hunting. Mm -mm. And, uh, now half of our conversations are about hunting. I'd say the other half is still football, <laughs> but <laughs> in our misery, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's been, been so good to, you know, hang out with you and share a little taste of hunting with you right now. I hope we can yeah. get together and do some, some deer hunting together, uh, soon. Um, we definitely need to make that happen, but, but, um, you know, as we kind of close this one out, what would your good friend Kent Boucher <laughs> say about uh, the Bears, you know, uh, going into oh, this this uh, coming season here? Oh, jeez, you put me on the spot again. Well, the first thing they got right was hiring that, firing that idiot Matt Nagy and then Ryan Pace. What a joke. I mean... I'm sure he's a really nice guy in, in real life and everything. He's probably, you know, really nice guy. But he didn't know anything about running a football team. <laughs> <laughs> you signed Khalil Mack to a five-year, $11 billion deal to give you what? Eight sacks a season? <laughs> I, I once I once sat down and calculated how much money Khalil Mack made per play. He only plays thirty eight plays on you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's really awkward when you're sitting there trying no, to it's, sound, it's good. sound like it's you. good. It's good. People are gonna listen to that and be like I, I don't this, get it. This guy <laughs> doesn't he can't impersonate a a, a blind snail. Couldn't even impersonate himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's uh it's true. I I go on tirades all the time about the Bears. It's easy to do. If if you if you think that's stupid, be a Bears fan for like two games and you'll be doing it too. Well, but, uh, <laughs> you've been a Bears fan long enough that you you've you've just seen like the history and you've seen like the history repeat itself over and over. That's and right. it's so funny, like how you'll just like you'll um uh, um what's the word. You'll just like, you'll just like project, you'll prophesy, prophesy. you'll prophesy the future. <laughs> you know, you're like an old Testament prophet out of the Bible. You'd be like, you know, yes, thou all shalt think that Mitchell Trubisky shalt save thee, but he shall be thy doom. You know? just, <laughs> and, uh, yep. You called it, you know, it's just, it's, it's always funny. You have like a really just interesting, well, you know, football and then, you know, the bears. And so, 
Um, it's just you always have like a good feeling and a good inkling about like what's coming down the season. <laughs> and I'm always like the little bit optimistic. Oh, they could be all right. You know, if they put the right supporting cast around Mitchell Trubisky, then I mean, he was an, he was a Pro Bowl or alternate one year. <laughs> Tony Dungy might come coach the Bears. <laughs> You're trying to bait what, me into what it. Would t- what would Tony Dungy say if the Bears offered him the job? <laughs> oh goodness, no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I had my time in Indianapolis, and we had we had a good season where we ended up beating Chicago in the Super Bowl. And 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 despite you know Devin Hester running back that running back that kickoff, and we were able to come through. And you know, you know, really, have you heard about my book, Uncommon? <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. that's a good transition to end this one here. Un- uncommon, yeah. It, it, being a first gen hunter is the uncommon route to go. But if you're listening in, you are somebody who is brand new to hunting. Maybe you're still trying to figure out how to get into it. Just do it. Just go. Um, one thing that John and I do have in common <laughs> for both of our stories, we had some help from some good hunting mentors. Yeah. And um, if you, you know, last night you talked about Ryan. He mm-hmm. told me the story about a guy he knows who's a first-gen hunter. And this last year, he had his first success tagging a buck with his bow. It was mm-hmm. the first animal he killed, period. And he was a, it was a nice buck with his bow, which is just incredible. It took him four years. <laughs> and Ryan I don't feel said, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, Ryan, and Ryan said, he he's like, tried to tell him, dude, you got to find a mentor. You got to. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm going to just, I want to do it on my own. And. You know what? It worked out in the end for him. So it's good to know that if you don't have somebody that you can really get lined up with as a mentor, keep pushing at it. You can get there. But I bet you it wouldn't have taken four years if he had found a good hunting mentor to just help him, you know, see the woods in it from an experienced set of eyes and know what to expect at different points in the day while you're out hunting. All that stuff. Know what gear is worth it. What gear is a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Know, you know, how to make little equipment adjustments in the field. All those things. Yeah. You know, ha- so if you're if you're listening, try and find a good mentor. And uh, uh, I, I can almost guarantee you will if you go looking for him. Because another thing we say on this podcast all the time, hunting brings people together. And and I like I like to think that the hunting community is one of the more tight-knit communities um that you can find yeah. so yeah. you know big shout out to jesse for taking john under his wing mm-hmm. having the patience yes. i bet he was i bet he was uh, <laughs> a little stressed when he saw those deer trot by at 10 yards and come on john get just get one you know? <laughs> it's but, not that hard <laughs> <laughs> but he stayed patient allowed the process to unfold and it took care of itself. And I guarantee you, John, next time you're out hunting and you're in the position, you're going to feel that much, that much more relaxed at having been there, done that. There's a big part of just breaking the ice on it and getting that, getting that first uh, tag filled, you know, mm-hmm. get that under your belt. You just, you just feel so much more confident going into the next one and, and that it snowballs on you, which is good and success, you know, breed success and hopefully someday you know we could do a hunt where we have our you know our kids together and they're hunting and sweet. and uh you know they're they're learning it and they get the advantage of having a dad to show them how to 
show them how to hunt and not having to, you know, <laughs> spend all this time in their twenties and thirties, uh, fumbling around and, and stumbling around, you know, it's a, it'd be a great, great advantage for them. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story and for, uh, let me crash your house for the weekend and, and, uh, going around wandering in the woods with me today. I hope, uh, it pays off for some good hunting permission this, this fall. And uh want to thank everyone who uh, is tuning into the podcast. Uh, our numbers are growing, which is just fantastic to see, uh, growing uh, crazy fast. You guys have been doing a great job of getting the word out. Please continue to do so. If you know somebody who's maybe in John's shoes, my shoes, is a first-gen hunter, please share this podcast with them. Or if you just know somebody who likes good hunting con- uh, content, uh, I engineer this show to reach anyone in the hunting community not just new hunters uh could be 40-year veteran hunters we're going to find something uh (laughs) hopefully entertaining and useful from the quality of guests that i get on here that that just have so much knowledge to share and so uh please uh, be spreading the word in that way if you haven't yet please get on to spotify or apple podcasts and leave a five-star review if you feel so inclined. What that does, why do podcasters ask for that? Well, what that does is Like, people... share, and subscribe. <laughs> That's right. You what... Make sure you smash that like button. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what, it, what it does is it when people go and they look up a podcast and they see that there's a lot of reviews there that it's like, okay, this is a legit podcast that's, that's worth me checking out. And that's a huge thank you to, uh, to your favorite podcast hosts out there. Um, it, it, it just, uh, it gives us that good feedback. Got a good, um, uh, Instagram message just this week from a listener. And, uh, of course, love getting that feedback. That is the best, uh, part of, of doing this is interacting with the listeners and uh, seeing how the the stories help and entertain and and uh, just make them feel more a part of the hunting community. Mm. That's what keeps people coming back year after year. So please, uh, if you got any questions, comments, or anything like that, please reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Go Wild. And you can even use the email, uh, like the contact button on uh, my website, firstgenhunter.com to uh, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. But uh, thank you so much again for tuning in. Please remember this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Again, if you don't have that app, go ahead and download it. You can get it for free and already start using the mapping features there. And then also our good buddy, Alex Gruen, a big part of being a new first-gen hunter is if you need to start looking into uh, getting a good uh, high-odds hunt put together, there is literally not a better person to do that for you than Alex Gruen at East West Hunts. Alex has connections all over North America. He knows all kinds of outfitters to either set up a guided hunt for you or just give you the latest information on where you got your best opportunities to hunt and uh, see animals and fill tags. And uh, he can uh, uh, really make that trip so much more likely to be a successful tag filling venture for you. So go to eastwesthunts.com and get there. Use the promo code FIRSTGEN10. Save yourself that 10%. Put that money towards uh, other gear items or uh, maybe even expanding your Spartan Forge uh, offerings that you can get through the app or 
just gas and food, whatever you need to get there, right? <laughs> but uh, we appreciate John so much for coming on, giving us a few uh, impersonations to laugh about and keep the show light. And uh, again, thank you again to everyone for tuning in. Thank you to the sponsors of the show. Until next time, take care and take someone hunting.